Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Yeah, it's really great to be here this morning. Is everybody having fun? Good. Are you ready for a bit more fun? Oh, oh dear. Suppose I, suppose I better be good then, aren't I? Well, it's, um, it is a great pleasure uh, to be here. And uh, as Andy said, we are doing a series called uh, What's It Like to Be Around Here? And if you've not been around here for the last couple of weeks, I, I, I'd really advise you to go onto the website, the Arena Church website, look at the podcast, and listen to the podcast. There's been some brilliant preaching and teaching. What's it like to be around here? And the series uh, was created with the hope of giving clarity to those who attend Arena Church and also for those who are, uh, many of you are beginning to start that journey of faith and start coming to Arena Church to give you a, a clarity of what's it like to be around here? What, what is expected of me? What is allowed? How do people behave? How should I behave? What is unacceptable? Uh, what do we want? And what is the culture of the church? Every home organisation, uh, business, church, has a culture. And this is either created by design or by default. And as a leadership team, we know the importance of design, of structure, of purpose, of vision. And we want you to understand that Arena Church, what Arena Church is all about. And it's my great pleasure to talk about unity. What is unity? How do we achieve unity? Is there a depth of unity we've not yet experienced? The definition of unity is oneness, where people sit, eat, talk, and love together, building bridges and mending fences. Brian Houston says once, sorry, Brian Houston said once that a key to effective leadership is to deal with issues quickly. Unity's opposite is the ugliness of division. Now, I don't know about you, I've been to a number of churches over my 25 years of, of being a Christian and walking with God, and I've been to a number of churches, and you don't walk into a church and say, oh, there's so much unity here. It's something you don't particularly quickly identify. But I have walked into fellowships before and thought, there's something not quite right here. You quickly recognize disunity. You quickly recognize when something isn't quite right. Something just smells off. And you begin to hear people just beginning to mutter things. Just beginning to have little critiques and just saying odd things and perhaps criticizing the leadership team and, and people beginning to choose sides. Disunity has a real bad smell to it. And it can happen in any kind of situation, in church, in business, whether you've been into an office before where there's been disunity. It can even happen in marriage. A bit like the, uh, the husband and wife who are driving down the road and a police car with a blue light comes in and pulls in front of them and stops them. The police officer gets out, goes to the, the driver and says, uh, excuse me, sir, this your car? He says, uh, yes, officer, can I help you? He says, uh, well, you've just gone through a red light. Oh, no, officer, I don't think I did. I, I, I'm sure it was on, on, on amber at least. I, I'm, I'm always a very careful driver. And the wife in the passenger seat says, officer is always going through red lights. 
I'm always telling him to uh, be careful going through his life. I keep saying to him, you're going to cause an accident or you're going to get caught one of these days. And the man turns around to his wife and says, will you shut up? And the officer said, yes, you actually were going a little quickly. There's only 30 mile an hour speed limit. Oh, no, officer. No, officer, I wasn't speeding. No, 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 officer. I'm very careful. I, I don't speed. I was just merely keeping up with traffic in front. And his wife looks at the officer and says, He's always speeding. He's always going too fast. I keep telling him to slow down. He'll catch himself coming back one of these days. And the husband said, Will, will you shut up, you silly woman? Shut up. Be quiet. And the police officer says, and Actually, you're not wearing your seatbelt. Oh, no, I was, officer. I was wearing my seatbelt. I've just taken it off as I pulled up, as, you, as I saw you walking towards me. I've just taken it. And the wife says, big sigh, officer, he never, ever wears his seatbelt. I'm always telling him to put his seatbelt on. So he turns around, you silly woman. Oh, wait till I get you home. You're so useless. I don't know why I married you, you silly, silly woman. And the police officer said, does he always talk to you like this, madam? He said, oh, no, officer. Only when he's had too much to drink. <laughs> you see, disunity can cause real problems. So we're going to look at what unity means. How is unity expressed in the life of Arena Church? It starts by welcoming, a warm welcome to everybody. I hope you've had a warm welcome this morning. It starts by connecting. What small groups play a, a vital role in, in enabling people to give themselves to and enjoy fellowship in the life of the church. By including. We don't have any cliques. We don't have any people, you know, oh, this is a private members club. Nobody else can join. It's open to all. By facing issues when they arise. We must continue to walk towards these, these values so that we reflect an Acts 2 church, an Acts 2 community, where it says in the Bible that they were of one accord. Psalm 133 says this, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the, the precious oil upon the beard, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments, just like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountain of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. Psalm 133 gives a great picture of unity. We see joy, we see happiness and peace, and a good atmosphere are resident in a house where there is unity. So living a life of unity, this means... I hope you'll get a slide coming up, what this means. Living a life of unity. This means we will honour each other with our words. We don't pull people down with our words. We build people up. We choose not to make fun of people. We choose to build people up. We must always make every effort to keep unity of the Spirit. Ephesians 4.3. It literally means to be diligent, to sweat at it, to work at it. We will work for unity, not against it. We will work our unity out practically. If you have a problem with me, then come and see me. And we'll discuss it, discuss it privately. 
If I have a problem with you, I will come to you in private and we'll discuss it. If somebody else has a problem with me and they go to you, then send them to me and I'll do the same. That's how we, we keep unity. We will celebrate each other's diversities. We, we want unity, not uniformity. We don't want to reproduce clones of Christian, of Stephen, of Julie, of any of the elders. One of Christian, one of Julie, one of Stephen is enough. We don't want to reproduce clones. That's not what it's about. But it is about maintaining that unity, coming together. Different people, different abilities, different backgrounds, different personalities, characteristics of any community of people. But diversity always works best in unity. We will be open in our relationships so that there are no clicks arise. We'll be careful with our words, attitudes and actions to others. And if we get it wrong, we'll be quick to say, I'm sorry, I got it wrong. And we'll work at it to get it right. We choose not to harbour grudges that linger for weeks, for months, for years, and all of a sudden become mountains of resentment and bitterness. Deal with it quickly. We will put aside our differences to work together. We realise that the Arena Church is not about me. It is not about I. It is not about Paul Stokes. It is about the kingdom of God. And what I want, sometimes I have to put aside because I want to see the kingdom of God in our community. So I will put my own personal feelings aside at times and work together in unity because I understand that what, what you are trying to do at Arena Church is reach out to the community to save people's lives. So we'll put aside our differences. I believe we need to understand that there's a depth of unity that is more than just surface getting along with each other. We can all get along with each other if we try at it. But there's a depth of unity that we need to strive for. The devil, Satan, the enemy hates unity. He hates it when people of God come together and put their petty differences to one side to do God's work. Ignatius of Antioch, that's a name, Ignatius of Antioch was born five years or so after Jesus was crucified. And he became a Christian. And he rose through the, the ranks of Christian and became the bishop of Antioch. And this is what he says. Take heed then, often to come together to give thanks to God and show forth his praise. For when you assemble frequently in the same place, the power of Satan has destroyed and the destruction in which he aims is prevented by the unity of our faith. Unity is so important. We need to understand we are in a battle. We are in a battle for our families, for our church, for our communities. We need to be united more now than ever before. As Andy said, just turn on the television. Just flick over the papers. Just see the turmoil that's taking place. Disunity everywhere. But as a church, we need to be united. I believe we can go to a depth of unity that will not only make a difference in our lives, but will make a difference in our communities. So to explain how I believe we can go deeper 
into unity. I'm going to take an example from something that I was taught in the natural world. And I'm going to ask that you try and view it in a spiritual context. So you know how Jesus took things of the world and gave a story about it, to use it as a spiritual example, like I am the good shepherd. We understand that. We see the picture. As soon as I say I am the good shepherd, you get a mental picture of a shepherd leading a flock. I will make you fishers of men. We understand what he's talking about. He's talking to the culture at the time, people who understood about fishing, how to catch the fish. And Jesus is using that example to say this is a spiritual context. So I'm going to take a spiritual, I'll take a natural, something I learned in the natural, and apply it to a spiritual context. And I believe it exemplifies many kingdom dynamics and principles. So please understand that this is just an example. I'm going to show you an example in a a short while that is taken from something I was taught when I was a police officer. I was a police officer for 30 years. I still work for the police, but I'm a civilian now. I was taught public order training, how to deal with public orders. I'm going to take that as an example. Please don't shout at me. Don't turn around and say, oh, he's not preaching from the Bible. Heretic, burn him at the stake. Because what I'm going to do is take it this natural example, and then apply spiritual principles, and I'm going to pad it out with the, with the flesh and the muscles of God's word. So that's what I'm going to do. So I want some volunteers. Everybody suddenly just loses eye contact. So would you, I ask one or two people, so would you come out, please? And I'll just, uh, I'll just set you into the position. Where, Good old Jono, did you know you volunteered? <laughs> I do now. Yeah. If you just stand there, mate. Carl, would you just come and join me at this end? Thank you. There we go. Yeah. Johnny, would you like to just come? Sorry. Here. Thank you. That's it. And if you can just put your arms out like that and just reach out at... No, just so, you just, so, you, just so you've got enough space to touch. Yeah, you're with me? And then put your arms down by the side. Put your hands behind your back like that. And after three, bend your knees and go, hello, hello, hello. Right. right. Can you imagine this... I know it's hard to imagine, but can you just begin to imagine that these are, on ceremon- these are police officers on ceremonial duty? Perhaps like the Queen's visit. So they're not a hostile crowd, but they're here stood alert to any danger. Glennis, try and look alert. <laughs> they are alert to any possible danger. They've been well trained. They know what to expect. They know what to do. Now imagine if this was a church. Here we've got a church. It's a good church. Some of the uh, committed members of the church will perhaps have heard preaching on standing in the gap and praying. There are quite a few gaps, aren't there? Here. And they're waiting for a full frontal attack of the enemy. But Satan is far wiser than that. You don't need to have a full frontal attack because he can just go in between the gaps. He can just go in and start saying, um, so this is your church, is it? Yeah, well, what are you doing in this church here? Why are you here? What's your purpose here? They don't really know you, do they? How many of them uh, have asked you to come for, for a coffee this week? 
how many people have actually uh, taken time to get to know your name? You see, you don't really like it here, do you? The music's a bit too loud. Why are you here? It's not your kind of music anyway, is it? And if you went away, how long would it take for anybody to notice? Thanks for sitting down, mate. And that's very often what happens. And all of a sudden, the gap is extended. Of course, you have to fill up the gap. And the gaps get wider. And in the spiritual sense, the enemy just keeps picking off people one at a time. Because he can get through these gaps. There's no real sense of unity, no real sense of purpose, no vision. They think that they're committed. But in reality, all they're doing is just standing in their own little space, in their own small experience. And very often, a church like this, first of all, appear, appears appealing because there's no, nothing expected of you. And so you come in and you fit in the gap quite easily. But very often you get picked off. Because there's no unity. There's no vision. There's no purpose. And so what happens? The church just dwindles and dwindles and sadly dies. And unless you get a new leader comes and says, Come on, guys. Come on, guys. We've got to be united. Link arms. So you see, this, uh, this is a church that is united together. And it'll be a good church. It'll be a very good church. They might have mother and toddlers. They might have um, things for the elderly. They, they, they'll have small groups, perhaps. It's quite a good, stable church. You may want to belong to this church because they do get on quite well. And they are aware of the enemy because sometimes they feel the spiritual pressure. You know, like, um, can you remember the, uh, the Beatles? Are you old enough to remember the Beatles and, and Donny Osmond? Do you know who Donny Osmond is? Yeah. Do you? Oh, well done. What about, what about David Cassidy? No, not a clue. Well, at one time there were thousands of young, young girls who just pressing against the police lines, trying to get to their idol. And they were pressing, and yet the police were, were there trying to hold them back. And so this is a church. If you, if you have this as an example of a church, the church is quite good. It prays, it goes to prayer meetings. It's aware of spiritual pressure coming against them, but it's not that effective because it's not facing the enemy. And so what the Satan does, he has... A specific target in mind. Yeah, you'll get pressure at times, you know. But then he'll just focus his attention on one person. It might be a music worship leader. Or it might be a youth worker. And he'll just focus his attention on this one person. And he'll just try and break that person. And unless this person is totally united and protected, what happens? That arm breaks. And as it says all hell breaks loose because of the fall of somebody prominent in the church. Link arms again, my guys. And so we begin to understand that this church was good, but they failed to recognize the importance of unity. And they look united because they are linked together. 
But if there, if there was one person at a specific attack, it just begins to crumble. The church divides. The church splits. People start choosing sides. Oh, well, the leadership didn't, didn't look after him. Or, or he shouldn't have been in that point in that position. Or whatever. And all of a sudden, the church divides. Now, I want to give you the third example. If all of you would just be able to unleak your arms, face that way, and put your arm around the waist of the person in front. So, you, so you're using your left arm, so you've got your right arm free. Okay? So you're linked up. Now here, there's not so much of a gap, is there? Okay? And here, if I wanted to attack this person, this person would grab hold of me and pull me backwards. Yeah, and then that person would pull me backwards. And that person would pull me and that person, and that person would pull me backwards. And that's what happens... Steady. Just steady. <laughs> That's what happens in the natural. So as a police officer, I've been in this position. I've been in a position where there was four abreast, four lines of police officers in an arrowhead formation. It is such a strong, you don't feel isolated, you feel connected, you feel protected. Because there's a sense of unity here that this person is looking after this person's back, who's looking after this person's back, who's looking after this person's back. There's nobody isolated. So as an enemy, as Satan, if I was the enemy, I'd look at this, this motley crew and think, well, where am I going to focus my attack now? Who could I choose to single out an attack? See, this person here is quite young and strong. This person mm, is not as young. So in the natural, I would perhaps attack this person. But in the spiritual, in the spiritual, I know that this person is a prayer warrior. She spent hours on her knees praying for her family. She spent days praying and praying for breakthrough. She knows what it's like to pray. She knows what it's like to see God come through with an answer. It may not have been a day or a week or even years. But she knows that she's faithful in God and she will keep praying and praying. So I don't want to attack her. But I might want to attack this young impressionable. Yes, she's passionate. She's, she's, she's vibrant. But has she got the experience to withstand attack? But when you combine them together... Oh, when you combine the passion and, and, and excitement of youth and, and, with the wisdom of God, that is power. That is unity. Can you imagine this arrowhead formation if you've got another on that side and in the middle here, directing where this arrowhead goes... As in the natural, the superintendent in charge of the detail would be in the middle, protected from attack, using his experience to guide the, per, the, the, the arrowhead forward, using the experience and all his training to say, right, turn right, using the experience to say, right, turn left. Can you imagine that in the in, in this spiritual? With Christian, protected on all sides, rather than people backbiting and criticising him all the time, being protected by him. With these people here saying, all right, Satan, yeah, you want our leadership, you've got to come through us first. 
If you want to take out our, our youth leader, you've got to come through us first. If you want to take out our marriages, you've got to come through us first. If you want to take out the homeless, the drug addicts, or the alcoholic, then you've got to come through us first. If you want to take our communities, then you've got to come through us first. That's the power of unity. A depth of unity we've perhaps not experienced before. But if we get this in our spirit, there's something powerful. There's something that protects a lot of churches have experienced a breakthrough. They have prayed and prayed and experienced a breakthrough in a particular event. And then they stand and bask in that event. But we're called to do something different. We're called to move into the enemy's camp and take back that which was stolen from us. So guys, this is what I want you to do. I want you to start with your left foot. That's that foot nearest that wall. I want you to take one small step forward and then slide your right foot up to your left foot. Yeah? One step forward. This is called trudging. Continue right round there for us. So this is the church, the Harrowhead formation, being guided by the leader saying, come on guys, we're now going to take back what the enemy has stolen from us. We're going to use the word of God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He that is in, in me is greater than he that is in the world. We are more than conquerors through him who first loved us. A unity that withstands the attack of the enemy. A, 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 a unity that goes into the enemy's camp. Trudging and wedging step by step. Going through the broken bottles and the bricks and the rubble of people's broken lives. Just trying to get back that what the enemy has stolen. Give them a round of applause. Thanks, guys. The church praising God, moving into the enemy camp, takes back the hidden treasures, takes back that which was stolen. Our children, our families, our loved ones, taken back. The drug addicts, the alcoholics, the downtrodden, the homeless, the fatherless, the hurting, take them back. As we take them back, we put them in that arrowhead formation behind us, protected because of unity. Step by step into the victory that Jesus Christ has already won for us. How can we stand still? How can we just be satisfied with what we've got? As a leadership, we'd love, we'd love you all. We'd love this building. We'd love this church. But are we satisfied with what we've got? I want to see churches throughout the M1 corridor. I want to see people's lives change throughout the M1 corridor. I want to see small groups, masses of small groups all over the M1 corridor. Pinpricks of light. Helping people change their lives. I'm just going to do a... Uh, a little illustration here because I can guarantee almost already that the father of lies is whispering into one or two of your ears saying I can't, I can't do that I could never be, be a member of that, that trudging and wedging formation because I don't know the Bible enough I don't know how to pray I won't know what to say if somebody stopped me in the street and said explain to me why I go to the church I won't know what to say I'm going to tell you, you don't need to know the Bible yet. 
don't need to, need to know how to pray yet. All you do is need is to be available. Because there are people here who want to teach you how to read the Bible, who want to teach you how to pray. Sometimes you have to be intentional in looking for help. It's not going to happen automatically. You don't suddenly become a Bible scholar, international world-known speaker, standing on platforms and, and preaching to thousands. It's a process. You have to go through a process. And if you never actually inquire about going to a small group or never actually inquire about going to the Bible training or never actually ask about what can I do to serve within an arena church, you'll never actually grow. I know one of the things that me and Liz always did when we first became Christians, where can we serve? And we always used to do teas and coffees. Of course, you meet everybody coming for a tea and coffee. And we always used to talk to people. And that's how we got to know people in the church, serving teas and coffees. We did it for years and years. Serving teas and coffee, just getting to know people. Because everybody comes and we say, hello there, how are you? Nice to see you again. What's your name? Because we were intentional about wanting to go further in our faith and about joining together. So you have to be intentional about asking about growth track. Know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, make a difference. There are signs on the wall because that's what we believe in. It's not something that we just do. We do it because we believe in it. So I want to give you just three things to think about when we agree to walk in unity. First of all, can you tell me what you can see? A bit like that catchphrase. The red dot. Red dot. Very often we focus on the red dot rather than the vastness of the white page. Very often we focus on our circumstances rather than on the vastness of how great our God is. We focus on our problem rather than trusting in a God who is so big, so wide. We focus on our problem rather than trusting in a God who has got everything under control. So I'm going to pull up Philippians 4, 1 to 7. This is what it says. Therefore, my beloved, along for brethren, my joy, my crown, stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Eudia and I implore Syntex to be of the same mind of the Lord. And I urge you also, true companions, to help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Unity is vital in breakthrough. There's obviously something going wrong between two ladies in the church. Let me tell you, there usually is. And I don't mean that, I don't mean that sarcastically. What I mean is, if you get a passionate people who come together, there's often disunity. There's often disagreements, but not. It doesn't have to be disunity. You show me a church where they say, oh, everybody gets along every, 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 every so well here. I'll show you a church that's lost its passion 
that's lost its vision. Because passionate people care. And when you get passionate people caring about, about the homeless, they have different ways of going about it. Does that mean that we want everybody not to feel passion? Now, of course we want people to feel passion. We want you to be united in that passion. Obviously, Paul recognised this and asked the church to help them with it. We know sometimes it's okay, you know, to have that difference uh, of opinion. It's like driving down the M25, four lanes on the M25. There's a slow lane, and then there's the fast lane. Some people like driving the slow lane. I don't know why they like driving the slow lane, but they do. Some people like driving the fast lane. But they're all going in the same direction. Now, if you were facing the car the other way, there'd be problems. It's like the woman listening to the news on the radio. And she hears that uh, somebody's driving down the motorway the wrong way. So she <coughs> phones her husband, hands-free, of course, and says, darling, be careful driving home on the motorway. Some idiot's driving the wrong way. And he says, there's not just one of them, there's thousands of them. <laughs> well, if you're the one that's driving the wrong way, stop, turn around. Unity, not uniformity, is vital if we're going to make a difference. Rejoice in the Lord always, I say rejoice. When times are bad, sometimes we focus... We focus on the, on the dot rather than the vastness of God's kingdom. Be anxious for nothing, but everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. We can build buildings, we can hold meetings, but unless God, Christ is present, what's it all about? There are many people who say they are united in the common goal at football. I go to see the Stags. We'll say we're united to get promoted this season. Come on. Um, there are people who, uh, who go to bowling clubs, knitting circles, and they would say that they're united. They, they look after each other. But as Christians, we've got to be something deeper. The power of the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Holy Spirit. When we go through anxious times, and everyone does, it's hard not to be anxious or fearful. This is when we need to come together in unity. Can the musicians please come back up? We need to come back together in unity so that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Bethany Hamilton Dirks was born in February 1990. She's an American professional surfer. In 2003, while she's out surfing in a competition, a shark attacked and bit her left arm off. This is what she says. She wrote about it, her experience in an autobiography called Soul Surfer, a true story of faith, family, and fighting to get back on the board. And it's been made into a feature film, Soul Surfer. She says this, When I was about five, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. And since then, it's just been a stronghold in my life. Really through the shark attack, and all the hard times that my family and I went through, it gave us unity and perseverance to push through all this crazy stuff that we never knew was going to happen. Bethany faced life-changing stuff. We don't know what's going to happen in our lives, what hurdles and problems we will face. So the peace of God we surpasses all understanding. Of course, when we keep focused on God, when we place our problems in his hands, we begin to realise how great our God is. And though we have to walk through dark times, 
we know that the light of the world, Jesus, walks at our side and illuminates our dark path. This morning, let me finish with a question and a challenge. Are we a people that belong to a church that want to walk together in unity, putting our different opinions to one side for the greater good? A people focused on Jesus Christ, not on our circumstances. A people expectant of his presence, united in purpose, mobilized by vision, motivated by compassion, so that we can take the town of Mansfield and Ilkeston and the M1 corridor. If we are, then let's do it. Let's do it. Just bow our heads. Arena Church, whenever we preach or teach, we just like to give a a moment's reflection for people who are here. There might be people here this morning who have never ever understood what it means to be in a community that is united. You might have felt alone, isolated for large parts of your life. If that's you this morning, I want to pray for you. This morning you might be saying, well, I don't really know what God is all about. I've just come to church. I've been invited by somebody or I've just walked walked in and saw the sign and I don't really know what it means to be a Christian but I want to go and find out I want to go on this journey of finding out what it means if that's you this morning I want to pray for you this morning if you want to belong to a, a community that stands together and walks together in unity I'm going to ask you to put your hand up This morning, if you want to give your life to Jesus, say, look, God, I don't know what this is all about. But I'm willing to take a a risk. I'm willing to take a chance and find out and go on a journey to find out what it's about. I want you to put your hand up and I'm going to pray for you.